Welcome to the Simplify Jesus Podcast. We're your hosts, Matt Gunter and Bill Allen, and together we are breaking barriers through communication. Hello and welcome everyone to Simplify Jesus. Once again, where we are breaking barriers through communication. I'm Bill Allen. This is Matt Gunter here with me, and we are looking at Samuel. Last week we went through 1 Samuel 1 through 8 and uh, talked about Samuel as a judge and a prophet. And, you know, his mom prayed and prayed and prayed and wanted a child, and she finally had one and then gave him up to the temple as she promised God she would do. I still don't understand, but okay. But because of that, he was dedicated to service to God, uh, essentially from birth. And as he grew up, uh, you know, during his time, there were battles with the Philistines. They lost many times, but then ultimately succeeded in their efforts uh, with God's help once they did turn back to God. And uh, there was a great revival towards God during his time as a prophet. Much like it's kind of feels like it's going on right now with the with the world. And I love it. Yeah, yeah. I love it. We've had 11 baptisms in the last two weeks at our church over yeah. the last two weekends. That, yeah. And 12. If you go back one more week, we had 12. Oh, that's uh, right. We did have one more before yeah. that. Oh, man. I love it. That is fantastic. It's crazy. So so anyway, last week we left off with Israel asking Samuel to give them a king as if, uh, you know, they didn't have enough problems. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, yeah, hold on to your hats, folks. We're going to get into 1 Samuel 9 through 15 this time and uh, talk a little bit about King Saul. So, Matt, why don't you, uh, why don't you tell us where we're at now? Yeah, so we're, uh, like you said, jumping into 1 Samuel 9 today, and it opens up. We meet a man named Saul and describes him as an impressive man. Uh, He stood a head taller than everyone else and just kind of a big burly guy. Uh, One day his father, Kish, had some donkeys that got loose, and so Kish did what dad would do. He sent his son and a servant out to go find these donkeys, and they, they went all throughout. Uh, the territory of uh, Ephraim and Benjamin, two of the tribes of Israel. He went all throughout their territory, uh, but couldn't find them anywhere. And it had gotten to the point of been long enough that Saul and his servant were worried that Saul's dad was about to send somebody out looking for them, that, that they had been out long enough, which, you know, that's one of the things working in uh, in kids' ministry. I, I, I teach our Awana program, like, I, as I read that, I was like, you know, I've got a little new appreciation for that. Sometimes a kid's been gone a little bit too long. You're like, hmm, that's without even having the the parental responsibility. Just, <laughs> I need I need that kid to come back. We're gonna send out a search party. They're either gone too long or they're too quiet. Yeah, you got to watch out for both. <laughs> I don't know which one's worse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure either, actually. <laughs> so. So they've been out for a while, and the servant that was with Saul remembered that where they were at, there was a man of God who lived near where they were. And so he thought, hey, maybe this guy could help us out. And so they go into the city they're near, and they ran into some women uh, who were out drawing water at the well and asked if the prophet was nearby. And as you're reading through this, I think it explains it in the text, but uh, sometimes they use the word seer as well. To describe a prophet, it means the same thing in this context. There are some other places where that's not the case. But when you're reading through First Samuel in here, seer and prophet are kind of the same thing. So anyway. Now, now did, they, did they ask for the prophet or a prophet? So they asked for... 
That's a good question. I don't remember off the top of my head. I think I think it was the prophet because they knew there was specifically a man of God here in this city. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think I think it was. I think it was. Gotcha. You know, funny enough, uh, the the prophet had just arrived. He had just come into the city actually to perform sacrifices at the high places and where they had altars already set up and everything. And so Saul said, "Okay, I'm on the hunt. I'm going to go find this guy." And he went up to the high places. He went to where the sacrifices were going to be made, so he could find this guy. So hopefully, they could go find the donkeys. So. And that almost, and I'm going to go back to my previous question, yeah. was it A or the, that almost, if they said the prophet, which I'm with you, I think they did, that almost implies there's a prophet in almost like every town. Like they knew mm. they were going to come to the town and there's going to be mm. a prophet there. Mm-hmm. Like every town has a doctor. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it, it makes you wonder. Um, I hadn't thought about that. And, and because it, it makes sense. So when you look at how. Israel split everything up. There were Levites uh, or Levitical priests everywhere throughout Israel, right? They were always close by. Um, and this one happened to be kind of the head prophet was the guy who was there in Samuel. But it, but it does make you wonder if if when they got there, they're like, oh, this is one of the places where the Levites hang out. So mm. there's got to be somebody here, right? Or who's who's your head guy around this around these parts? You know that it really makes me wonder about that. If they if they knew that Samuel was there, or if this was like, a, hey, we're at, we're at the town. Who do we talk to? Right. Who's the man that got around here? Right. That's interesting. I wonder if people do that when they come into a city here. They're like, all right, where's the church at? What church should we all go to? Of course, we have like, you know, twenty churches just in Canyon Lake or whatever that number is. But hmm, interesting. So. Backing up just a little bit, Samuel had been told by God just a day before that God was going to be sending a man from the tribe of Benjamin who was going to be anointed a ruler over the people. And so Samuel's got this information in his head. He's kind of on the lookout for somebody who's coming to him. And Saul comes up to Samuel while he's at the high places, while he's doing the sacrifices. And God confirmed, said, okay, this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to come rule over Israel. So Saul walks up to Samuel, not realizing that this is the prophet. This is the guy for this era. And he said, hey, where's the prophet at? Where's the seer at? And uh, Samuel answers exactly what he needed to hear. And in 1 Samuel 9, 19 through 20, he says, I am the seer. Uh, Go up ahead of me to the high place and eat with me today. When I send you off in the morning, I'll tell you everything that's in your heart. As for the donkeys that's wandered away from you three days ago, don't worry about them because they've been found. And who does all Israel desire but you and all your father's family? And so it's it's really interesting that Samuel's answer isn't just, uh, I'm the guy you're looking for, but, oh, by the way, I know what you're looking for as well. You're not just looking for me. You're looking for the donkeys. Don't worry. It's all taken care of. Um, gives him exactly the answer he needs. And so... Samuel takes Saul, they go to a banquet that's in Saul's honor, and the next morning they send the servant on his way, and Samuel's got a special journey for Saul to go down. Uh, So Samuel anoints Saul as king and sends him on this kind of strange journey. He, He said, go to this city and look for this thing, go to that city and look for that thing. 
And he tells him, when you get to this location, here's what you're going to see. And so it was just some kind of oddball stuff. Uh, go check it out in First Samuel 10. But as Saul left, God hit his heart and he opened his eyes to everything that Samuel had mentioned. He was seeing exactly what God had told Samuel to tell Saul to be looking for. Um, so I was like, oh. Okay, all of this is kind of, it's coming to fruition. We're seeing things move. We're seeing things happen. And so... So it's happening and he's realizing it? Or he's having visions, he's seeing the visions that Samuel saw? It's it's happening and he's realizing Okay. It. Yeah. And so, and I think it's one of those things kind of like, and I, I know I've had experiences and I know based on our conversation, you've had experiences like this too where... Kind of say, okay, the um, a door's been opened up. You're like, okay, well, this is what I need to go do. And then when it's confirmed, it's like, okay, yep, God did it. Like it's it, it's that kind of moment where he's told, okay, yeah, this is this is what you need to do. This is what's going to happen. And then boom, there it is in front of you. And I don't think you will ever have any better representation of peace than knowing for sure you're doing what God wants you to do. That's right. That's right. <laughs> You know, just a little sidebar, something that I know we've talked about the revival side of things that are going on, but along with that, something our pastor has talked about the last couple of weeks is, you know, anytime God's moving, the devil's going to stir up some dust Mm -hmm. around you and make things more difficult and try to get you off track. What is absolutely amazing to me is when you can have peace in the midst of the storm that the devil's stirring up because you know you're where you need to be. And even in the midst of the chaos and that, and, and peace doesn't, mean that it's easy, but just means, Hey, I know I'm where I need to be. And, and you can, you can rest in that even in the midst of the craziness. And there's been several examples of that over the last few weeks. I know with you and and I certainly know with me that it's been like that leading up to the baptisms of the church, yeah. my son being one of those uh, yeah. that were getting baptized. And, um, I can tell you that this last couple of weeks have been hard. But as soon as the baptisms happened, mm-hmm. still not perfect. There's still issues <laughs> yeah. that we're dealing with, but it's been a lot easier. Yeah, it, and it's almost like uh, I was talking to to our youth pastor, and I, and the day of the baptisms was probably our worst day ever, having technical <laughs> issues. Oh, it was terrible at the church. And Matt and I are both on that team, and 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 uh, our youth pastor leads that team, and and. After it was all over, I looked at our youth pastor and I said, take that, Satan, because we made it through anyway. And and that's how I felt because yeah. it was hard. Yeah. It was hard. It almost didn't happen. Not the baptisms, but the, you know, we almost didn't get the the live stream out to the people who couldn't <laughs> right. be there. We we almost lost our audio in different areas, and, and um, but we made it through. Mm-hmm. And it was only by the grace of God because we, we were struggling every, at every turn. Yeah, um, it wasn't anything we were doing, that's for sure. <laughs> Everything we touched, it seemed like it broke. <laughs> yeah, it did. And, and that, you know, honestly, and that's continued. And we've got, and, and, you know, this is not a, a pride thing, um, but we've got really good gear back there. Yeah. Um, and it should work. Yeah, and, and people who know how to use it, you know. I mean, it's, <laughs> right. it's, it's not a, like, anyway, yeah, like you said, it's a, don't say that pridefully, but, like, you know, you wouldn't expect it. Right, right. Yeah. But but nothing seems to want to work, and and <laughs> we even had some issues yesterday at church with it. Satan is still trying to hit us. We had three more baptisms yesterday. We did. So, I think every time God is working, so is Satan. Yeah. And and you just got to prepare yourself for that because it's going to happen. And and sorry, I went on my soapbox there, but that's just been the last few weeks of of our lives. <laughs> yeah. And it's you know, but 
but but circling back, I mean, even in the midst of that, when you see God moving, when you see those baptisms, when you see young people coming to Christ, it's the peace that you feel because you're like, no, I know I'm where I need to be. It's crazy out there, but I know I'm where I need to be. There's nothing like it. And, and I have to imagine that's what as Saul was feeling as he made this journey is that, you know, Sam was telling him, Hey, this is the stuff you're going to see along the way. You know, you're, you're anointed as the King. And this is what you're going to see. There had to be some confirmation for him of like, Oh, this is real. Like that I I'm, I'm where I need to be. And so it's, it's really cool to, to read through and to see that the last stop he made was in the city of Gabeah. Samuel had told him that he would uh, meet some prophets there. And there's this really cool moment where Saul is so filled with the spirit that he started prophesying himself. And it's, it's really cool to see that And, and prophesying, in this case, it's not necessarily future telling as much as it is God has given you a message to share. So we associate prophecy with future telling, but really it's a message for that day and time. And so Saul is so filled with the spirit here that he's got a message from God that he's got to share with the people and he's joining in with the prophet. So really cool to see that on the front end of his journey as king. And to the point that Everyone was shocked when they saw it, that his change was so drastic from who he used to be to who he is now. They're like, is, is Saul one of the prophets now? What, what's going on here? But when you're where God has called you to be and you're living in that, that happens. You you look different. You act different. You do. And, and it's nothing that you're doing, honestly. It's, um, yes, you're trying to be better. You're trying to be better than you were before, mm-hmm. trying to do the right things. Um, but I know there's been times, even with this podcast and mm-hmm. our, our discussions, when I'll say things and, you know, now I, I think there could be still prophets. I don't know that that's a big thing, but I think we're too distracted to be prophets mm-hmm. these days. So I don't want you to hear me say, I think I'm a prophet. <laughs> right. And, and, and I, I certainly don't. Yeah. But I think God can use us even still. And speak through us mm-hmm. because there's been times where I'm just like, Whoa, did I say that? Yeah. That, that didn't come from my brain uh, because it, if you knew me well, you know, it probably shouldn't have. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, but it's so funny. It's I'm, I'm glad you say that because there have been times, even when I am, you know, in my morning, you know, doing a devotional and, and praying through things or, um, you know, praying before some kind of church event or something like that. And the words that come out or the words that pass through my head, I'm like, I hadn't thought about that in six months or a year or a long mm-hmm. time, or I haven't even considered that. Where did that come from? Well, that's, you know, it's God moving through, right? It's, it's, we, we've got a message. And, and even in that act of prayer, you get, you get that message. You're like, Oh, okay. That's what I need to be focused on today. And then, you know, that's happened to me, I know, with Sunday school lessons on this podcast uh, with the kids on Wednesday nights, where it's like, I didn't prepare for that. But man, here it is. This is what we got. And you know, God, God moves through you. And when you do that and when you act that way and people see you, it, it's it's a lot like we talk about when, when you come to Christ, your life changes and people look at you like, you're not the same guy anymore. As a Christian, God is moving through you like that. You kind of have the same effect. Like, whoa, what happened to you? You're you're different. It's not a bad thing. It's, it's but people notice. People notice, yeah. And you notice the way things were isn't the way they should have been. Mm-hmm. And I think on the flip side of that, when you become a Christian, 
you also see where you were. Yeah. And it's not that the people you were hanging out with has changed, but you've changed. Mm -hmm. So you need your lifestyle to change. Yeah. So you have to separate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, you've got to know what's good for you and what, what could potentially drag you down. I was actually just having a conversation with uh, some guys at work. We were talking about the conversation was around time management and how do we manage our time well at work? How do we manage it well with work-life balance and all of that? And mentioned one of our, one of the books that um, you and I both read Jordan Rayner and now redeeming going, your time, redeeming your time, which I'm starting over again uh, tonight. <laughs> I need to, I need to, but it's, it, but it's so good. And, and the, but one of the things that we talked about was part of redeeming your time is in that work-life balance of having things to unplug and all of that, but the importance of not turning to things that are harmful to you. Mm -hmm. Um, and specifically alcohol came up as one of those things like there's, there's nothing wrong with it. We've talked about that on here before, you know, having, um, having a drink in, in good company and all that stuff is not, not a problem, but if that's your coping mechanism, if that's if that's how you're dealing with stress and that kind of stuff, it's not good. Yeah, it's not a problem unless it's a problem. <laughs> exactly, it's not a problem unless it's a problem, and you've got to know yourself. You've got to see yourself, and so and the people around you. Yeah, and and so talking about that change, sometimes you've got to remove yourself from those situations because you know that's going to slip you right back in. And you know there may be a time when you can come back, but often right in the moment is you know, you you've got to separate yourself from it so you can say. Okay, I'm good. I can handle it now. Yeah. Um, it's it's real easy to slip back into things like that. Well, I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before or not, but you know, I quit playing music for that reason. I mm-hmm. let the life get to me too much, so I stopped. I backed mm-hmm. off. Five years, I think, I didn't play anymore because mm-hmm. I had to get away from that scene. I was able to be able to have a drink socially with my friends mm-hmm. and family now without getting stupid like I was. Yeah. Um, but. I also know how easy it would be to slip back into that if I went back to playing music, trying to play full time um, in that scene. Uh, Yeah. You know, so, so yeah, you're absolutely right. You have to know you, you have to know the people you're around. Yeah. Just have to be careful with it. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's just like, it's just like anger is not a sin, right? It's not a sin unless you do something wrong with it. Right. Drinking is not a sin. What you do with it might be. That's right. Absolutely. So, so, so Saul goes on this journey. People, see, people are looking at it and say, man, this guy is different. Hold on. Was that even close to what we started talking about? Did we just go on a complete other trail? Uh, it, it, it all connected. It all <laughs> okay, connected. good, good, good. Yeah, just want to yeah. make sure. <laughs> 10 points for the person that can follow our stream of consciousness through that. That's uh, right. <laughs> that's right. Uh, email us at info at simplifyjesus.com. We'll give you your points. <laughs> so, so shortly thereafter, uh, uh, Samuel officially uh, installed Saul as king. And so what Samuel did is he brought all the tribes forward. And, and this is a ceremonial act that you see a lot throughout the old Testament where there, there are leaders from the 12 tribes of Israel that come forward and they essentially cast lots. And so out of that, Benjamin was selected. And then out of the clans of Benjamin's, so they broke it down a little bit further. Uh, the clan that Saul was a part of was selected. And then finally, Saul was chosen as the king. Now, keep in mind at this point, Samuel already knows who it's going to be. So this is really ceremonial. But 
you know, funny enough, when they selected him, they said, okay, hey, Saul's going to be the king. <laughs> they couldn't find him. Apparently, he was hiding back with the supplies and stuff. I guess he was bashful. But given that he was a head taller than everybody else, it kind of gave him away. Uh, so the people grabbed him. They brought him forward. And they had a, a coronation ceremony, so to speak. I don't know if there was an actual crowning. But this was the establishment of King of Saul as their king. And so they, they go through that, same as since everybody home, and Israel finally has their very first king. Dun, dun, dun. For, for better or worse, they got their first king. <laughs> and, you know, Saul as a king, he was known as a, as a great warrior. Um, he was a big, strong guy. Um, he led the armies well. And First uh, Samuel 11, they actually talk a little bit about uh, some of his battles. He took down the Ammonites who had laid siege to Jabesh Gilead. And he, you know, they, in that situation, the people at Jabesh had said, you know, we'll do anything. We'll sign a treaty with you, whatever. Just leave us alone with the Ammonites. And here comes King Saul with the army, right? He comes in and saves them. And every time early on when he was you know, doing things the right way, so to speak, he looked the part, he acted the part, and even when he had naysayers, he was confirmed over and over again as this is the king. This is the guy God has chosen. This is the guy God anointed. He's your guy. So things are going pretty well. And then Samuel makes his final speech to the full nation of Israel. And it's kind of interesting the the path he goes down. The first thing is he, he confirms that, you know, I haven't wronged you. I haven't misled you. I've always been on your side. I've always been trying to point you back to God, but you should not have asked for a king as the nation. You shouldn't have asked for a king. And we talked about that at length in our, in our last episode of, of why that was such an issue. And you know, despite this, despite them asking for a king and God giving them one, he said, if you will revert back and follow God from this point forward, God's going to be with you. He's still going to bless you. The covenant blessing is still there. He's still got your back. And he said, I'm going to prove it to you. It's the wheat harvest time, which is when you don't want the rain and stuff because you'll want to go be able to gather the wheat. He said, I'm going to tell you right now, because of what's happened, there's going to be rain and thunderstorms coming in. And this is going to be to confirm that you've missed the mark with God. But repent and it goes away. Right. And, and kind of as a, a visual and a physical symbol of, of what the nation of Israel was going through. They asked for a King. They shouldn't have. So he said, Hey, this rain and thunderstorms, it, it represents the sin that you've committed, but it goes away. Forgiveness abounds. God's going to be with them. The rain goes away. They're able to harvest their wheat. All's well, but he wraps up the speech in this way. First Samuel 12, 23 through 25. He says, as for me, I vow that I will not sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. I will teach you the good and right way. Above all, fear the Lord and worship him faithfully with all your heart. Consider the great things he has done for you. However, if you continue to do what is evil, both you and your king will be swept away. And it's this this kind of half blessing, half ominous, like... All right, guys, you're you're treading on thin ice here, so to speak. You've asked for a king. God gave you one. You have an opportunity here if you will just follow the right path. I think it's interesting, and we can see a lot of this in the world around us today, and probably easiest to correlate this in, in politics and stuff, but you, you can see it. You can see when things sway away from biblical standards and away from that, that... 
Yeah, the blessings tend to go with it. That, that that's when things start to fall apart, and and all of that. And and Samuel says it very plainly: if you will just follow God, things are going to go well for you. It's not always easy, but things are going to go well. So, Matt, what was it then that I'm, I'm I might be a little confused, but what was it that he is admonishing them about that they did wrong? Is it just that they asked for a king, or was there more in there? Yeah, that that was pretty much it. Is that they asked for a king and. Um, we talked about this a little bit last week, how God basically said, look, I, I am your king. I am your leader. Um, you don't need a physical king. You don't need to be like all of these other people around you. But they asked for it. God gave it to them. You know, God gave them Saul. But that was, I guess, God giving them a king didn't make their heart condition right. So mm. um, uh, just because you gave them what they asked for doesn't mean that they were right to ask for it in the first place. And so that was, that was the big community sin, so to speak. Okay. So they're kind of relying on this King for everything instead of God now. Exactly. And Samuel is telling them, repent and you need to get back, get back right with God Mm. and stop relying on Saul so much. Is that right? Is that kind of button it up? Yeah. And, and don't, you know, you don't even need Saul. Um, He, he, he doesn't, and and along that same line, um, and we'll get into some of Saul's pride issues here in a minute, but you know, when, if Saul goes astray, don't follow him mm. off the cliff, you know, uh, that, that old, uh, um, thing that I know my parents used to say all the time, well, if they jumped off a bridge, would you follow him? Like, <laughs> you know, that he's kind of giving them that speech too. Of like you guys as a community, keep following God. That's what you need to be doing above all else. Don't put your heroes up on pedestals. That's right. <laughs> Pride comes before the fall. That's right. Okay. Well, thank you for clarifying that. Yeah. So where where we go from here? So First uh, Samuel thirteen, we start getting into the bad side of Saul, and so um, oh, this the, is where the dun 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 comes in. Cool. Yeah. I knew it was somewhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has arrived. So the Philistines came in to attack, and and the Israelite army they were they were scared. Um, you know, it doesn't give us a whole lot of detail on exactly what happened, but whatever it was, it was not good. This army that had had a lot of success started running and hiding. They were even crossing back across the Jordan River to get out of Israel. Well, not out of Israel, but out of kind of the main area of Israel to to hide from these guys. And and so in the midst of all this, Samuel had told Saul, you know, hey, in seven days time, I'm going to come. I'll sacrifice, I'll, you know, do the, you know, what we need to do, do things as God has called us to do. And, uh, Saul wakes up on day seven and he said, uh, Samuel hadn't shown up yet and we kind of need to do this. So Saul said, I'll just, I'll just do it myself. I'll do the sacrifices. Um, and he just, he just ran with it. So just as he's wrapping up these sacrifices, you'll never guess who walked up mm-hmm. Samuel, of da, course. Da, da. Um, and, uh, Samuel was not happy. He, Samuel's the old soul. He's been a priest and a judge and a prophet for a long time now. <laughs> and, and so Saul's only explanation is, well, well, the guys were deserting me and I, I had to do something to encourage them. And so I, I just did the sacrifices. It, it's at this point that Samuel jumps in and he confirms that Saul's reign was not going to last, that there would be another man, a uh, quote, man after God's own heart that would sit on the throne after Saul and uh, a little precursor to uh spoiler alert, David, who's coming up next. But you know, it's, it's, it's interesting to me here that 
we we just said it. Pride comes before the fall, right? And you can, you can see it. You can see it happening where Saul's just like, oh, well, what's the difference? I'm the king. I can I can do this. I, I got this. And it's like you you miss the point. You miss the mark. And so God says, okay, if you're if if this is the way you're going to go, you're not going to get to be king forever, and yeah. your line's not going to be king forever. Yeah, he was just prophesying to the people. He was kind of following in Samuel's footsteps. He was he was living that life. The Holy, the, the Holy Spirit was strong in him. Mm-hmm. And then he started giving himself the credit. And that's mm-hmm. when it all started going downhill. And yeah. man, do I relate to that. <laughs> me too, me too. And so, you know, you can imagine Saul's uh, pretty distraught uh, after getting that news. And, but, but after this, you know, Saul was still a great warrior King. And so he and his son, Jonathan, they had some victories and, but you can see it's starting to fall off the rails for Saul a little bit here, even in their victories. And when they have success, he's just paranoid and, and there's a a rashness that kicks in. There's one episode in first Samuel 14 and verse 24, it says the men of Israel were worn out that day for Saul had placed the troops under an oath. The man who eats food before evening, before I've taken vengeance on my enemies is cursed. So none of the troops tasted any food. And so, these are military men. They've been out fighting. They've been out in war. And Saul's telling them, hey, 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 don't touch any food. We're not done fighting yet. You've got to, let's go take out my enemies first, and then you can have some food. This coming from the man who is probably not out there in the battlefield himself. Yeah. Yeah. Or if he is, he's the guy on horseback. Yeah. I wonder what that looked like. I wonder what kings did in battle, because it seems like they were always there. Yeah. Well, they weren't, they, I guarantee you, they weren't going out with the footmen, you know, the, the <laughs> right. front line there. Uh, <laughs> they were in the chariot in the back. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Exactly. And so, but he's telling them, hey, can't have any food. <laughs> Good grief. And so the army's going through the woods here. They're going on to the next battle and uh, they see honey in a honeycomb. And so none of the army takes any. They're following Saul's orders, but Saul's son, Jonathan, does. He didn't hear Saul say anything. So he's like, whew, man, I am famished. I want some of that. You know, and of course, he hadn't eaten anything in a while. He eats some. He's like, man, I've got all the strength. I'm ready to go. This is great. Sugar rush. Yeah. And so he <laughs> led him into a great victory. And you would think, oh, man, this is great. They had a great military battle, all this stuff, renewed strength. But... All was definitely not well. And so Saul went to God and asked him, hey, should we attack the Philistines again? You know, what, what, what's our next step? And God didn't answer right away. So I was like, well, that's a little strange. And so he said, hey, uh, God, why, why not? What's, what's going on here? And the assumption was that, okay, well, somebody messed up. Somebody sinned. Somebody got us off track here. And so they start casting lots. That happens a lot in the Old Testament. And it turned out that... They worked through all the men, and Jonathan was the one who was identified as the one who had sinned. So what was his crime? Well, he was hungry and ate some honey. And Saul said, curse is the one who eats until we've battled that evening. And so basically you see this big disconnect. It's completely irrational and unreasonable and all that stuff. And But, but to show you how unhinged Saul was, he threatened to kill his own son because he ate some honey and and added to this disconnect. And this um, was sins against himself, not sins against God. Yeah. It's ridiculous, right? It, and it's from us on the outside looking into it, you're like, what are you doing? This is dumb. Like it was a dumb command to begin with. 
And now it's gone to a whole new level. He's threatening to kill his son because he ate some honey. Like, it's just, it's crazy. Because he's got to be the one to stand up for what he said. He can't look weak. So he's got to follow through on his commandment. Exactly. Yeah. And I'm all about, as as leaders, we, under, you know, we, we've both done this and understand it. If you, you know, if you create a mess, sometimes you got to sit in your own mess. And mm-hmm. I, and I get it. You know, you got to work through it and all that stuff. But. Man, don't intentionally do it to yourself. I mean, this is this is just bad. Yeah, it's bad news. And and so what we see, kind of putting a bow on Saul's story here, it, he started off on the right foot, but the good days are not what people remember about his kingship. It's this stuff, and we'll see as we get into further into the story with David that that paranoia and that craziness it just continues. It's it it kind of stays off the rails there pretty quick. Yeah, it's mostly the bad stuff that. You know, we've gone through, you know, kind of through the course of him becoming king. Mm-hmm. Then, okay, he did a little bit of good stuff. Mm-hmm. And then now let's list all of this bad stuff. There's a lot more detail in the bad stuff than there yeah. is the good. And, you know, and it's, I find that interesting because a, a lot of times we focus on the bad and not the good. I was just talking yeah. to Emily about this the other day. Um, you know, in business, I've got, I might have 50 good reviews. But that one bad review, that's the one that's going to hurt. And that's the one yeah. that's going to stick with me. It's so much easier to focus on the bad and the woe is me and the, you know, how, what can I do to fix this? And, and it's control, right? It's, yeah. it's, you want to be able to fix it. You want to be able to do something about it or you can't. So then you're the victim. Yeah, right. And those seem to be the two easiest ways to process things, I think. Yeah. But when things are good, you don't think about it, right? We right. don't think about. God near as much praising God when things are good, but boy, when things are bad, yeah. we're all about it. Right. Right. Yeah. I heard it described once. He was actually a, used to be the music pastor. Um, he described it as treating God like a vending machine. Well, we need something. Oh, Hey God, I really need some help in my test today. Boom. You know, mm-hmm. we hit the button and expect something to come out. And rather than it being a relationship, rather than it being a, a two way street where we're, we are in relationship with God and talking to him and telling him, you know, like you said, just praising him when times are good and, and being real with him when times are bad. But, mm-hmm. but, but it should be both. It should be a constant relationship. I mean, it's just like for, um, uh, for people who are married, uh, Rachel and I just celebrated our, our four year anniversary, uh, on Thursday and congratulations. Thanks. Thanks. She's put up with me for four years. Uh, it's, it's pretty incredible. Um, I feel for her. We've only been doing this a little over a year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I do too. Uh, but things are so much better when we're doing life together, when we're celebrating the victories together, when we're dealing with the junk together, when, when you're going through all that stuff and, it's the same way in our relationship with God. If you want to build a relationship, it's got to be the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's it's all got to be out there. It can't just be a, hey, I need some help. Let me let me punch the button to see if you're going to help me today. But but that's you know when you when you look at the life of Saul, that's a lot of kind of how it seemed like it happened. Is is we we focus on the bad because when it got bad, it just got worse mm-hmm. and and it went downhill so fast. Because he forgot, and this is me reading into stuff, but he probably forgot about the good. He forgot about where it started. And as soon as it went off the rails, he just, it just kept diving. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to get back on track when it, when it goes wrong. Yeah. Um, well, we've talked about it a lot and we've said it a lot, but why don't you tell us how this, uh, how this points to Jesus? 
So uh, it's interesting. We actually just uh, studied these the other day in Sunday school, but in the Beatitudes, Jesus says, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. And, you know, this whole idea of, of pride coming before the fall and, and the importance of humility and the importance of meekness and it's, it's prevalent all throughout Jesus's ministry. And, you know, what, what is, uh, really interesting is I've, I've been kind of digging into what, you know, what does it mean to be humble? And, you know, a lot of it's just knowing who you are and, you know, knowing who God created you to be. But sometimes when we think of humility and, and it may just be me, but I think of, um, not weakness, but, but a subservient kind of mindset. And it's really, it's really not. It's it, to, to be humble is to have the power of God inside of you and to say, it's not me. It's all about him. Right. And so it's when we live that way, it's, it shows itself as putting others first. It shows itself as saying, Hey, I, I understand that my needs aren't necessarily the most important. And so I'm going to be, um, you know, humble towards others in these situations, that kind of stuff. But it's really about power under control more than it is about a weakness. And so anyway, you see this in, in Saul's life when, when, when he's living in that humility and, you know, he's the big burly guy, but he's kind of, I don't know about this. What, what is this? things are pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's when pride comes into the scene and he's like, Whoa, look at King Saul. The things go South and Jesus promised in the beatitude. So he says, blessed are the humble for they will inherit the earth. And when he says inherit the earth, I mean, he's from a kingdom perspective, you're going to have a peace about what God's doing in you. And so you, you're going to be living in knowing you're doing what God has created you to do. You're going to, you know, inherit the earth, so to speak, not to go a prosperity gospel route of, Oh, you're going to be so blessed. You're going to be swimming and blah, blah, blah. But you're going to know that you're doing what God has called you to do. And, and I will say have success in what God has called you to do. That doesn't mean money. That doesn't mean fame. That doesn't mean all those things, but it means that, that you are effective and working in God's kingdom. And you're going to be able to do it not in your own power, but in God's power. Exactly. Doing it in your own power, you're going to fail every time. Mm -hmm. Now, I know people who are doing very well who don't know Jesus. Yeah. And and I'm and I'm very happy for them. I would be much happier for them if they knew Jesus. That's right. But you know, people can do things on their own. But there's that peace. There's just that that peace and that. um, Yeah, it's just peace in knowing that Mm -hmm. God's got this. Yeah. Because when you have hard times in what you're doing. If mm-hmm. business isn't doing well, if you know you're sick, if something's going on wrong, and you know God's got this, yeah, then you don't have to worry, right? Because He tells us not to. Yeah. So I just think um, I really think that it kind of revolves around peace, and I agree, success mm-hmm. is part of that mm-hmm. completely. But if it's not, mm-hmm. still got God. Yeah, and and your definition of success changes when it's all about God, right? Um, I think that's the you know where where a lot of the hang up is. You look at the story like the rich young ruler, where Jesus said, you know, one one more thing I command you: sell your possessions, give it to the poor. It's like, whoa, I, I don't know about that, right? Like he because his success was tied to his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, his definition of of who he was was tied to his stuff, and so our definition of success when we are truly humble and we are living and we are allowing God's power to move through us, the definition of what is successful changes. You know, and I'll, I'll be real here. I, I, I run a business. I, I, I own a business that I want to see make millions, right? Yeah. I want to see it grow. I want to be able to 
hire a team of 50 and, and, and let them do it all. Yeah. Work <laughs> yourself out of a job. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly. And I mean, I don't have a number tied to it, but working myself out of a job, that is my definition of success. Mm. But even if I don't, mm. I still got that piece that God's there. That's right. And when I'm still here working every day, when I'm 80, if that's the case, <laughs> it's going to be okay. Yeah. Because no matter what, you know where you are where God has put you. Right. Um, right. I've just got to look for the reasons. You know, yeah. I've got to look for, okay, what do you need me to do? Yeah. Uh, I had a conversation this morning, uh, and I know we're running up on time here, but <laughs> I was talking to my daughter, hmm. and she had some some attitude problems this morning, and, and we had to get on to her a little bit, and, you know, I just told her, look, You've got to you've got to love people more than yourself. Mm. I brought I brought up Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Right, mm. you've got to want to help people. Yeah, uh, because if it's all about you, that is pride. And mm. It's going to kick your butt. So, and and it's a lesson for all of us. And I yeah. and I and I pointed the finger at myself when I was talking to her too. Mm. I told her I have I have anger issues. That's where you get it from. I don't want you to be like me. <laughs> so stop it you know so so we had a long conversation about that and uh hopefully it helps but but you mm-hmm. know uh, again going back to earlier in our conversation there were some things this morning that i said that i said whoa did i really say that mm. uh because i'm not that wise mm. but god is that's right <laughs> that's right we're at an interesting point in time here what is going on elsewhere in the world so uh this is all right around 1000 BC. That's what we're looking at. And uh, interestingly, this is about when the Mayan civilizations uh, started to develop and and grow a little bit. So at this point, you know, very early stages, but they're an agricultural society. They've got maize and beans and all that kind of stuff going. But this is considered the start of what became the Mayan Empire. They call it Mesoamerica, but basically southern Mexico to northern South America, that that little Central America region where they were so uh, prominent. And when we started talking about doing this, what's going on in the rest of the world, our thought was tying in biblical events to what's happening in other places, and we can plug it into history. And with a lot of the older stuff, it's kind of difficult. Like, okay, yeah, so they may have heard about this, or I may remember that from history. But like, the Mayans, I know about the Mayans. Yeah, I've seen I've seen the temples. Yeah. They're really cool. <laughs> yeah, and so anyway, just just a fun little factoid that like this is right around now when all this stuff's going on with Saul is when their civilization is getting started. Now, this lasts for the Mayan civilization. A lot of their major growth happens down the road you know hundreds of years after this when they start building those temples and that kind of stuff but the uh, the early stages of it are starting right now that's really neat yeah we spent some time in belize uh years ago and got to do some sightseeing and climb on some mm. of those temples and nice got some pictures of those i have to show you sometime but they are really really interesting there there's not there wasn't really a whole lot of rooms or anything to go into uh, i don't know if they were just closed off uh, or like if they had like caved in or something or you know yeah naturally closed off but huge and you wonder how they made those things just like the pyramids <laughs> back in the day it took a lot of work but anyway that's really neat and i'm excited as we start getting into these kinds of civilizations see what kind of the progression how it continues on from here Absolutely. And I, I agree. The Bible doesn't necessarily talk about the rest of the world. We're just focused on the Middle East kind of portion of the world, right? Yeah. And Rome and, and 
that kind of area, Egypt and all that. But I really like that we're able to look at everything that's going on and make it tangible, almost yeah. make it make it come to life and compare it to other areas of the world. Exactly. Yeah. Very neat. Well, next week is St. Patrick's Day. That's right. Uh, the seventeenth, as I'm sure you know. So we are going to share with you an episode about uh, St. Patrick and how all that kind of got started mm-hmm. and how green beer came about <laughs> and <laughs> you know all that fun stuff that goes along with it. So right. it was really interesting to to do the research on this. Um, so be looking out for that. And then after that episode, we're going to get into Ruth and uh, move on into David and, and how all that ties together. So... Mm-hmm. Uh, y'all be sure to come back. If you have any comments, questions, or concerns weeks, sure about today's episode, shoot us a note at info at simplifyjesus.com. We would love yeah, to hear from you. Just let us know what you think. Episode. Be sure to check us out on social that? media and keep up with right. the latest from so, Simplify Jesus. Why don't you get us we like to hang here, out on Facebook and Twitter. Comment, like, share. Keep up with all the latest stuff we've got going on there. You can also keep up with the latest at www.simplifyjesus.com. As we roll out new podcast episodes and we've got different things going on, that's where you'll be able to find that. And finally, if you're looking for uh, where to listen to this podcast, let us know if you can't find us. But you can always just ask Alexa. Just say, hey, Alexa, play the Simplify Jesus podcast and you'll find us there. And with that being said, you guys have a great week.